Hey everyone, so I'm gonna wait for everybody to get in here. Meantime though, let me show you. I'm gonna have a have a nice little beer here with for myself with this amazing antlers from my friend Shani. It's a bottle opener, and today I'm gonna have Dogfish Head 90 Minute IPA. It's a great IPA. So Isn't that the best sound in the world? Just hearing that sound. I love hearing that sound. Very important to have the right glassware. And let everybody come in. We'll be taking some callers live. One, uh, there's at least, I know two people who are gonna be joining us. Good to see everybody. Okay. So, let's see. Where is this guy at? So if anybody wants to uh, come on, hey everyone, I see everybody starting to come in now. Um, so if anybody wants to come on live and ask me a question, I'm covering topics around uh, professional development, books of course, psychology, whatever, really whatever you want. So if you're interested, just hit that little uh, icon below. Hey. <laughs> Hit the icon below, and if you want to join live, I will bring you on live. We are waiting for our first guest, and he should be coming on soon, hopefully. So we'll see. I don't know where he's at. Actually, let me message him. See if he's on LinkedIn. He might be on LinkedIn. So, oh, I got one request. Oh, there he is. Okay. Bringing on our first guest, Anurag. We are connecting. One. Hey, there he is. Hey, how are you doing? Good, good, good. Glad you can glad you can join us. I was worried you're running a little bit late, man. I was like, ah, oh, this guy's standing me up. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I think I was the first one to join. And cheers, I'm also having. Oh, there we go. Room. Yes, cheers. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, how are you doing? I'm good doing good. East Coast. Yeah, yeah. Where are you calling in on the East Coast? Sorry, I couldn't hear you. Where Where are you calling in from the East Coast? Uh, I'm I'm from Boston. Oh, okay, nice. How How are things right now in Boston? Uh, they're pretty good. Uh, everything is open. Uh, like um, I'm in I'm in North, Northeastern University, so universities and everything is closed. There are tons, like a lot of university in Boston, so everything is closed uh, as per student wise, but. Uh, like groceries and daily activities are open. I try to practice social distancing, try to stay in the in my apartment here. So uh, I think everything's good. Um, what about like uh, West Coast? What is, what happened? What's happening here? Where same, are you from? Like, yeah, same thing. So I'm here in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's the same thing. There's uh, it's complete lockdown. So when I aside from going to the grocery store and perhaps like a quick walk around my neighborhood when I go running. Um, I have not mm -hmm. gone anywhere or s really, I haven't interacted with another, like a friend aside from my wife mm -hmm. since February. The last time I was, I was actually out of the house, I went to a restaurant to eat was February 19th, I think in San Francisco. So it's been a long, long time, mm -hmm. very, very long time. Um, but yeah, it's been crazy and I haven't been out since like a month, I guess. Yeah. So I just bought, I, bought, I just bought a lot of groceries and 
uh, like dry beans or anything, just like canned food. That's what I'm I'm planning to go next week. Let's uh, I'm hoping to go wake up early and go there to collect. And at that time, there won't be any rush or anything like that. Nice. Yeah, and you know, I would say, uh, and I know that you had some specific questions you want to ask, so I want to get to those in a second. But one thing I would tell people is that, and uh, this was kind of a controversial one uh, that I told people, um, you know, that they should make sure to come out of this quarantine with a new skill set, a system, some knowledge, something. Um, you know, and some people took offense to that because their thing was, well, people who have just gotten unemployed and they have kids to take care of, they don't have time for crap like that. But, you know, my my perspective was more a little bit higher above than just the typical entrepreneurial, you know, like let's develop a skill set. But I think let's just take the, this, the, the worst case scenario, like let's just say that you've now just become unemployed, you're disabled, you have kids to take care of, and let's say a family member is sick. You know, you're going to have to develop some new type of knowledge and skill set. More, more importantly, even if it's just right. making sure to have the right attitude and say, you know what? Everyone in my family right now is looking to me for a little bit of hope, a little bit of strength. So I have to learn how to change my attitude so I don't, I don't show how afraid I am right now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I'll be publishing an article on this topic actually tomorrow. But without, you know, with, with that aside, let's, let's jump into your, into your question, Anurag. And, and tell, real quick, for the people that are going to be joining or at least watching this later, uh, tell us your name, tell us a little, give us a little background about you, and then you can jump into your question. Uh, yeah, sure. My name is Anurag, and uh, I'm a graduate industrial engineering student at Northeastern Boston uh, campus. And uh, I've, I contacted you because uh, I've been, I worked in a medical device company called as a secure corporation here in Boston. They used to um, manufacture, like they, they are developing type two insulin pump, uh, insulin pump for type two diabetic patients. So that's how I got involved more in medical device industry. And currently um, I'm in my final semester now, I'm working on uh, my thesis uh, of opioid epidemic in United States. So I've been wanted to work in healthcare or medical device industry since last year or maybe before that. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's a little bit my background. So my first question I wanted to ask is like, what are the current market trends in medical device industry or healthcare industry? Because I know there are a few companies they are, they have like, I just spoke to someone um, who, uh, from the uh, IVD industry, they they need the uh, devices like constantly because most of the devices are used to treat the COVID nineteen patients. So, what 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 are the current market trends do you see in upcoming future, maybe year or, or two years? Sure. Yeah. So um, overall, I mean, unless a device is is essential to the COVID crisis, for example, uh, ventilators is one. Uh, PPE protect mm-hmm. equipment. Everything is really on hold. I spoke to some physicians at different academic centers uh, throughout the country. I spoke to some people at at uh, Harvard, Mass General, at Hopkins, Stanford, mm-hmm. NYU, Logone. So everyone's really shut down and focused on COVID. The first thing that happens is that all elective surgeries, everything is being pushed, mm-hmm. right? right? So, So in terms mm-hmm. of a trend, I mean, one thing is that a lot of these device companies whose stock are starting, they're starting to go down right now because they're not meeting quarterly earnings. And Q3, mm-hmm. Q4, I think they're going to shoot back up because there's going to be a bunch of elective cases. 
Um, in terms of market right. trends, one thing I would tell you that's going to happen, or not going to, it's already happened, is that the whole industry has been very resistant because they had no no reason to to try and adopt digital <laughs> digital practices, right, uh, or uh -huh. virtual practices. Because of this, it just forced everybody to find ways to do virtual training, right? So clinical uh -huh. clinical servicing a new account, like let's say in robotics, is a very expensive thing, and all these companies have now had, including my own, uh, have had to. Uh, start doing clinical training virtually and create, of course, digital assets like video, figure out how do we make sure that people watch this video and get, you know, they have certification mm -hmm. compliance. So all the medical device companies just figure out a new way to eliminate a huge cost, right? And when we right. go back to normal, mm -hmm. no, the way things used to be, I think that they are going to look for ways to increase their ability to do virtual training. So one trend I do see is uh, trained departments being more equipped and, and, and required to figure out how to do virtual training. Even if the industry does not want to do it, hospitals are now going to want to do that. The other thing, and it's, this is a big opportunity business-wise, is that right now when it comes to case coverage, a lot of uh, med device companies, they have reps, they can't send them to the OR. So it's a huge issue because it's right. like, how do, you, how do you sell, how do you support cases if you can't even go into the operating room anymore? And so... Mm -hmm. Uh, figuring out ways for that. I know there's a one or two companies that just um, that just uh, they deal with some kind of uh, credentialing for that. Intuitive Surgical uh, did something very smart, which is literally a few quarters ago they bought a a educate an online educational company for medical device um, uh, training. They, they do all these virtual trainings and everything. So Intuitive you know, really has another start on the industry for that. I don't know about other companies, what they're doing. And I think the last thing is, at least from a marketing standpoint, I've criticized our industry quite a lot about not having better marketing practices and more up-to-date ones. But this crisis is drawing a fine line, a very strong line between those who are going to shift and pivot to evolve their marketing practices to start spending more time creating content, doing engagement and outreach on social media, because you can't go to see a doctor face-to-face -face nowadays. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's 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 also going to happen. But in terms of any other trends, it's it's really going to be it's going to be hard to tell. Um, but if anything, and this is kind of a, a wild guess, is that the companies that get affected the most during this COVID crisis, let's say you know there are startups, uh, new companies, mm -hmm. e either they're going to end up going uh, belly up and shutting down. Or they're going to um, their market cap's going to be reduced so much that they're going to be very, very much an easy target. And I think a lot of bigger companies are going to buy fantastic companies at a discount. So right. that's that's at least you know that that's at least what I think. What, what what's what what other questions do you have? Uh, yeah, same related to on that. Like, what happens to manufacturing the supply chains in in medical device industry? Ah. And that's, uh, that's great, so that's great question. a huge issue also. Yeah, so so when it comes to manufacturing and supply chain, and this is, I'm going to try and just make this a little bit larger, not just medical devices. So as you know, uh, I think, what is it, a third of the world's population or a third of the world's companies, they do all their manufacturing in China, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And part of that is that in the last, and this happened, this really started to take off in the last 30, 40 years, right? Where the coastal cities in China... Right, which is where all the wealth mm -hmm. is, mainly because of the boats and the trade. They started seeing an increase mm -hmm. in manufacturing, but of course, with that increase, right, 
your costs start to go up as well, even though China is still very uh, cheap to manufacture in. <laughs> Companies such as Nike, um, I think Walmart, they already started many years ago looking for an alternative, and that alternative was Vietnam. So in the last 10 years, Vietnam's working class, um, I forgot how much, but I'm, I'm, I'm really making this, these numbers up, but if the working class Vietnamese citizen 10 years ago was making, I think, $800 a year, they're making something like two or $3,000 today in a year. Right, mm -hmm. I, it might have been even in, even bigger. And apparently, supposedly, the economic and GDP growth of Vietnam in the last ten years was has been the biggest that's ever been recorded in history, even bigger than uh, China's growth over the last forty years. So I think you're going to see a lot of manufacturing and supply chain, not just med device, but other places moving out of China into places like Vietnam, uh, even Mexico. I would love for the U.S. to be doing yeah. more trade with Mexico because they're our, they're our neighbors, and I think it's beneficial for us to support mm -hmm. and help them grow their GDP. And it's unfortunate because, you know, what I would say is uh, I think I have, a, I have a lot of respect for the, for the Chinese people. Uh, I, I really... Uh, uh, Love them quite a lot, you know, but unfortunately they have um, kind of a, a tough situation with our government. And, you know, the thing mm -hmm. is that if you are dealing with a country that, you know, is manufacturing a lot of your stuff, but you can't trust them because, you know, they continue to rip off a lot of intellectual uh, properties from the U.S. And they just they do not care. Mm -hmm. Uh, they are mass producing uh, a lot of opioids, specifically fentanyl. They said that they would take care of that. They have not. Mm -hmm. and that, that kills tens of thousands okay. of Americans every year. Um, plus, you know, uh, with aside from the coronavirus ap uh, epidemic, but these other things where between the tariffs and, and the trade wars, you know, you just can't take a risk as a business. There's, I mean, if you, if you are manufacturing, you have your supply chain in China right now, I don't think that's going to change overnight. I think it's going to take time to decouple. Uh, but no, no company in their right mind is going to say, "Yeah, you know what? Uh, we should set up supply chain manufacturing right now in China." It's just not a. It's it's just not something that I think is a good idea right now. Um, so I see a lot of supply chain manufacturing moving out of China into places like Vietnam, maybe Mexico. Um, you know, but but we'll see. You know, and it's really unfortunate because I think the, you know, the Chinese people are, are it's a population of very sharp, very hardworking people. Um, but when you have these factors come in, um, you know, that causes a problem. I'm, I'm hoping President Xi and, and the government makes the right changes so that they can become a, you know, a very reliable uh, country to do trade with and manufacture and everything. But right now, you know, these are, these are big issues, right? So. Right. Yeah. Even even that I I read somewhere that Japan is also invested like 2.2 billion dollars to move out of China, and even when I used to work for my own company, they they uh, have their um, factory set up with like third party manufacturers in Tijuana, and it was easy for all the engineers to just go there, visit, troubleshoot some issues with the manufacturing line because it was easy to move all the raw materials. And all the equipment from the United States to Mexico at that time. So yeah, that's what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm waiting to see if that's really true. But I did read that Japan is incentivizing uh, different companies to move their manufacturing operations out of out of you know out of China. Um, you know, and which would be really big because if you look at the um, 
the GDP gross domestic product of every country. You know, number one, and I think this is in, in the trillions. Yeah, number one is 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 the United States. Uh, number two is China. But then if you factor in Europe, you know, the European Union as a whole, European Union is number two, China is number three, but Japan is actually number four. You know, Japan has a pretty high GDP. Right, yeah. And so if you have the U, but just between the U.S. and Japan, not to mention EU com- countries starting to either haul, halt or move their manufacturing supply chain out of China, that's a big problem for China, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, again... Right. You know, even though China produces a lot of the th- things for the rest of the world, they also rely mm-hmm. on the on the uh, on on the uh, on doing commerce with the rest of the world in you know f- for mm-hmm. for their for their country, right? Um, they can't yeah. just re- f- uh, purely rely on themselves. So we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. It's going to be very interesting between what ends up happening long term, and then of course what happens with you know the elections this year. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for asking, uh, like answering that question. My yeah. next question is, uh, like I like my you can see on my LinkedIn profile also. Like I always say that data is a new oil, but the healthcare data is a precious oil. So how do we regulate our healthcare data? How do we manage so that we'll get like better analysis, better results, better prediction of future, like what will happen? Like just in like in coronavirus case right now, if we knew we had good data, so we would have definitely be more prepared. So how should we regularize this data? Yeah, it's it's tough to say. I mean, you know, with uh, privacy, privacy is always a growing concern for most people. But the thing is that when people when you ask people consciously, you know, like directly to the face, what do you think about healthcare data and privacy? They're like, oh, you know, I don't want anybody touching my data and privacy. But if you actually <laughs> monitor their actions, nobody really cares because they get, you know, they know how many uh, 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 liberties they're giving different tech companies when they sign up and they say, yeah, you know, take my take my data and everything. And it's and 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 the thing is that they're trying to make it. Um, they made it almost normal, right? They kind of show it in like movies <laughs> and everything. That's kind of funny, like, oh, you know this app's listening to me, that app's listening to me. You know, so people are becoming more desensitized to it. When it comes to healthcare data, I think the coronavirus, the one thing that's going to make, it's going to make it happen. And and I would say that, and this is not, uh, this is not my philosophy, this is something that Scott Adams, the famous Dilbert cartoonist, but he's also a political pundit and a, persuade, uh, uh, a master of persuasion. He said it best that um, we're going to have to make a hard decision between freedom and privacy. Because, because right now, um, for example, with the coronavirus, they want to try and uh, track people's phones, people who have been affected or been in infected areas, mm-hmm. to make sure they don't go other places. And yes, that is very like 1984ish, and it's very scary. But unfortunately, like there's no there there are no other real ways to do it. And I think we're getting to that point where we realize if we want to live, in some ways, in a better society and a healthier one and everything. We're, Depending on what you want, we're going to end up having to give up specific um, freedoms and and privacy for that, you know. Right. Um, and I don't. I, me personally, I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, you know, on one side, if you look at genetic uh, genetic testing, like Twenty um, Three uh, and Me and others, you know, on one side, like yeah, they can get access to your genetic data and they can, for example, you know, uh, 
look into your family history and they can, let's say, do something nefarious, such as giving you a high insurance premium because they say, oh, this person has a, a history of diabetes, right? And they sell that to a company. Mm-hmm. The, other, the other side of it, though, is that because of that genetic testing, they've been actually, they've been able to catch more criminals like pedophiles, uh, murders, and everything because they're able to check their genetic data in like a variety of different populations to sort of narrow mm-hmm. down you know, where, where, where a criminal might be. You know, again, a lot of this kind of freaks a lot of people out because it sounds very much like 1984. Um, but I think for healthcare data, uh, one thing is, you know, having more interoperability. So it's not, it shouldn't just be that one company owns all the data, right? You know, that's mm-hmm. what Google was filing right. patents for with the EMR. And I don't think it's it should be the government that owns it as well. I, I don't know what the happy medium is. Um, but yeah, the, the data is going to be important. One thing I would tell you, though, is that while data is important, what's just as important is the hardware to get that you're going to get out of it. Because if you look mm-hmm. at uh, my company, Petrero, um, uh, so Petrero has a clinical care monitoring system, you know, and we have a smart sensing catheter, so we automate things like urine output, interabdominal pressure, and the reason why it's important, you're getting all this data because it's now automated through hardware. It's not human beings entering the right. data. Versus if you go into the EMR now, yeah, there's a lot of data. A lot of it's manually mm-hmm. inputted data, and a lot of it has human error in, in it. So if you take all that data, mm-hmm. you're, just taking a, you're taking a bunch of crap and trying to build an algorithm from it. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, the, the med devices of the future are going to have better ways to capture data and automate it. Right, and but once you do that, then you're gonna be able to start uh, developing like very strong algorithms off of it. Um, but again, going back to your initial question about privacy and healthcare data, um, I think I think like many things, for people to enjoy the power of new technology, you end up giving up uh, something. I mean, look, uh, we we enjoy the the value of using something like Instagram and everything, but aside from giving up our privacy because obviously look I'm calling you from my own home uh, I know very well that a lot of my data is tracked right mm-hmm. and because of that data and because of the things I look at I get remarketed to and so I I'm okay with that and I give up I give up a little bit of my own liberties knowing that that's going to happen to enjoy the, uh, mm-hmm. the benefits of using technology like this so it's tough to say but we'll we'll see Okay, so thank you. So a little bit away from the technical side. So I, I I'm, I've been speaking with many people every day. Try to do at least one informational interview Keep going. per day. Open my window. No problem. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. So uh, I've been doing at least. I, I, I try to do at least one informational interview day per day. I have a time to connect with people. So after first interview, what? is what should I do to keep interacting with them? Uh, even after that first informational interview, what, what are your points? What How do you um, get more involved and connected with people, like professionals around the world? So what is your strategy on that? Yeah, so your question, your question is, um, once, you, once you interview with somebody for a job or once you get connected, what's... Connected with, like, I, I try uh, to do, like, first informational interviews and then... Uh, I'll try to connect with them after le- later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like it's like a professional branding. You can say yeah, 
like that. You can also like I think last week you already covered it, but I I didn't know you 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 did have a live session, so it would be helpful if you can cover that again. Yeah, no, 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 happy to, happy to. So what I would say, a, a couple things. So when you get connected with somebody, right? Um, they're getting connected to you for some some reason or another, and they might just add you no matter what. And this is, I'm talking specifically on LinkedIn. So once you get connected with somebody on LinkedIn, what I would say what's what's the next most important thing is using this concept of reciprocity, which is a psychological principle of persuasion. Reciprocity meaning if I give or I do something for you that's nice, you're gonna do the same thing for me. So what I always tell people is go go on somebody's profile and engage with their content, right? Probably the, the easiest way to get on somebody's radar is show some support for things that they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. So on LinkedIn, it would be go and like and engage and reshare some posts they did. If they did an article, even better, leave a comment and ask them a question so they can engage with you. You know, and there's other ways to do this. I mean, look, um, a perfect example is like we're doing this Instagram live. So if somebody wants to try and get a hold of me, I don't have hundreds of thousands of people watching this, so I do uh, mm -hmm. pay attention to who logs in and who asks questions and stuff. So that'll that'll keep keep things in mind. On Twitter, there's something called Periscope, right? That's the live stream version of Periscope. Mm -hmm. um, some really really famous and well known people now know me my name because I realize that oh, if I go on there and I spend five bucks and I I buy super hearts, and once this person goes mm -hmm. live. I give them super hearts for whatever they're talking about it because I like it. My picture shows up as someone who is super hearting, which very few people do, right? And mm -hmm. then this person, after a couple times, they're like, oh, yeah, that's Omar. Like, he's a, he supports my content. So I think it's really important to support the other person, right, based on the content mm -hmm. they're putting out um, because you're doing two things. One, you're creating reciprocity with them. And the second thing is that you are engaging in a way that is going to be memorable and they're going to obviously, you're, you're branding yourself, right? I do this mm -hmm. for myself, I also do this with our company Petrero. That's why a lot of physicians and hospitals, they know the name Petrero because Petrero goes and actively engages with all these physicians on their posts. Mm -hmm. um, the next thing is that after you engage with them, you wanna be a source of information and education as well, which is why I tell people, I was like, look, as soon as you get connected to somebody that week, Share some content. Even it, it can be as simple as resharing an article, taking taking a little piece of article that's summarized and plugging it in. Um, if you if you want ideas, just look at all the posts that I do every week. Last week there was an article in the New York Times that showed the charts and graphs of how data changed. You know, data and technology use changed going from pre to post to, to quarantine life. Like desktop usage went up and certain sites and apps went up. So I just took screenshots of four or five of those graphs. I posted it in my in my LinkedIn with just a little summary of what all those graphs were showing. And I put some hashtags behind it. And of course, that gives me a lot of exposure. So so the idea is you want to you wanna always find ways to entertain and inform people. right? That's what the news does. That's what the media does. And if you think of yourself as a media company, that's what you should do as well. Because... I'm not trying to sell something every week, but right. mm -hmm. if I entertain and educate and inform people on a weekly basis, the weeks that I do something that is selling based, like let's say I talk about something re related to my company like Petrero, or someone, for example, like my CEO does it, or Petrero itself, those people who have been engaged put more focus mm -hmm. on that because they've gotten used to focusing on something that comes from me already, 
Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And the brain does a very bad job of separating things. All those things end up mm-hmm. being meshed together, right? Which is why a lot right. of times yeah. people get very much influenced by people that, that they admire. You know, celebrities have a huge, huge amount of influence on people because people are obsessed and listen to them for, let's say, everything they talk about when it comes to, I don't know, their music industry and, and their songs and everything. So the moment that celebrity says, oh, you should vote for this person, most of the time, the majority of those people are going to listen and do that because all those things are right. within one thing now, right? There's no separation. Mm-hmm. Very few people separate and say, you know, forget about celebrities. This one person who's, I don't know, a doctor who's really well informed for X, Y, and Z has this opinion about, I don't know, economics or politics, but in reality, they know nothing about those things. I should not use them as a, as a point of reference, right? Very pe- People don't really do that. Yeah, it's like it's, I'm, I'm trying to um, like, like and share a few articles and it's been helpful. Like uh, I've been more active on LinkedIn since this after after this COVID-19 um, epidemic and because I'm, I was try to share a lot of details because everyone needs to get informed and that's what I've been trying to do since last three months. So I'm getting good at it, but I'm, tr- I'm trying to get better every day. So well. While we're talking, before we move on, let me look. Let me go to your. I'll I'll do it right now. Let me go to your profile and let me check. Let me let's check out what you're doing. All right. So so let me walk you through your profile. So, um, great good photo, right? It's important to have a good photo because mm-hmm. when you get when you get connected to people, they're going to judge you based on a couple of things: your name, your photo, and what's in your tagline. So in your tagline, you have medical right. device professional, healthcare data scientist, industrial engineer, manufacturing engineer, quality engineer. Great, because that's good for internal SEO. People will pick you up because of that. Mm-hmm. So that's a very smart thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. Bio. I like that you put the little quote there, and it's good that you put a skill set. Right. I like that. Okay. Now let's go to your activity. This is where I this is where I put a lot of uh, focus on for people. Okay, you haven't written an article. You're a sharp guy. I recommend that you start writing an article. You should. You should. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you should do an article. Yeah. And yeah, and look, you, you do have some posts, but your last post was three weeks ago, right? So the one thing I would tell yeah, you, like I haven't been sharing that much. Yeah. Yeah. Every every week, every week. This is why I mean, mm-hmm. I make it a I make it a discipline. I always t- tell people like. You know, if you're disciplined, you'll you'll get freedom because of that, right? Because when it's uh-huh. when when most people give up, you're still going. So you know, for the last two years, I do a, a book review, a video every week, right? right? Yeah, yeah I, I, I know. Yeah, and it's hard. It's hard. There's weeks where I have plenty of reasons not to do it, but I, I make sure that I show up and, and deliver, and that's the difference, right? Um, uh-huh. So what I would recommend is. Doing, doing, doing your posts every week. I mean, you can follow um, like Mr. Medtech Giovanni Laricella. You can follow him, um, and you can get ideas I know, from. Yeah, yeah you take those articles. I would share every week, man. Every week, so that way, over time, people in the industry, people in your network, they start seeing your name. Even something I tell people: take advantage of my, my of my profile, because I'm connected to over twenty thousand uh, professionals. And I think about sixty percent of them are in, are in the healthcare industry. Man, mm-hmm. co- comment on my post because I'll tell you, thousands of people end up reading. You know, they end up reading my post, and they're going to see your name. And a lot of people I know, they you know, younger people who came out of college were able to get jobs because 
people got used to seeing their names in the comments and then eventually when they tried to apply for a job they they said oh i remember this person this is the person that's you know connected with me shows content i see their name it's all about familiarity marketing is very it has very little to do with creativity it has a lot to do with just persistence and consistency uh, last year and and then i think he tagged you in some of the post and i i saw your profile and then who, i saw your activity and then i had uh, you cut out for Sorry? a second who who tagged me in a post uh juani larissa actually he he tagged you in some post and then i i that's how i connected with you and i tried to follow your activity oh got it and once in a while so That's yeah, how I I I found you actually. And what's your you know, or let me ask you, what's your what's your goal? Uh, what's your goal right now? Is it to find find a new new job or or because you're or you're 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 a student currently, correct? Yeah, I'm a student. When yep. do you graduate? Uh, I'll graduate in this May. Yep. This May, yeah. So this, you're very yeah. similar to a lot of people I'm mentoring that are in your same shoes. They're graduating in May. And everyone tells me the same thing, which is, oh, Omar, you know, hiring, everyone put a freeze on their hiring. I'm like, true. That's not going to last. And you can do what everybody else is doing, which is you just stop. And when, mm-hmm. when let's say, the, the pandemic ends and the lockdown is over by, let's just say, May, right? <laughs> then then you start so. with yeah. everybody else trying to, you know, apply for jobs, get in front of people versus right now. People are not getting inundated by content, right? Which is why, for mm-hmm. myself, for Petrero, we we tripled our content level, quadrupled it actually right. in some ways, you know, because people have time to consume the content, and this is the time to stay on people's minds. So when the pandemic ends and everybody goes back to normal work hours, right? They're they're going to have a very clear memory of certain names and people and brands and companies that are in their minds. Right, mm-hmm. and that could that could yeah. that could be you. And so, what I would say, like, look, you're what's what's the kind of job you're trying to get? Um, maybe mostly in healthcare or medical device industry, like tell me uh, a position. manufacturing, manufacturing or quality uh, around that side. Okay, because I have my background is in manufacturing, and maybe an R and D engineer. I have like I I did when I was uh, in, interning for. the company like my my company secure corporation i did everything because there was a startup i i loved working in startup so far so uh, like i can do many things at the same time so i like that cross functionality mm-hmm. so it's not like i wanted to be fixed in some position i like to help out everyone in the company so got it got it so yeah what i what i would tell you is just uh, start getting connected with people who are hiring managers right Um, get get you know so if if you do a search on LinkedIn and you search for that position, different companies will come up. I would f- I would connect with the people who are at those companies who would hire you, and then follow mm-hmm. those companies, and do three things: comment and engage with the people you connected with on their content and posts. Comment and engage on the posts and and everything of the companies that you're trying to apply for. And the last thing mm-hmm. is start creating your own content in terms of doing right. a post a week, an article, you know, and again like people uh a lot of times the post doesn't have to be related to which the job you're applying for. You can do once a week and just say every Monday I'm going to write a post about 
a lesson I learned in life, whether it's from my family or from college or something, right? And this will, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in systems. The system here is that it's going to teach you how to market yourself. It's going to teach you how to be very good at writing, which doesn't matter what profession mm-hmm. you are. You have to know how to write, you know, mm-hmm. and it keeps your name out there circulating, right? Because over time, you do this every week where, let's say, every Monday you do one post, and every Friday you do a quick little video. Or maybe, I don't know, you write a short article. You, you look up something that um, you studied earlier in college or something, or some concept, and you just write a short little article, two, three paragraphs. You do that, what you're doing over time is you're creating a digital version of yourself, right? So when you sleep at night, that digital version is still working. People are, are going to continue discovering your articles and everything. That's essentially what happens for me. You know, As we speak right now, someone is likely discovering some article I wrote a year or two ago and then going down the rabbit hole of reading different articles that they like of mine. And eventually they end up reaching out and say, hey, you know, I, I read your articles, I checked out this podcast you did, all these things, right? And so I think there's, yeah. there's quite a benefit to that, especially uh, in the uh, hiring process right now. Because at the end of the day, yes, it's important, you know, like where you went to school, what kind of company you worked for, all these things. Yeah, yeah, sure, that helps. But there's always going to be someone who had a better education than you, more experience, mm-hmm. who had went to a better, different, you know, different companies. There's always going to be somebody better mm-hmm. than you on paper. The key is how do you gain familiarity with somebody so that they start to see your face more, your name more, and by focusing on Mm -hmm. that more, there's an increase in desire to engage with it, right? Even with things that you may not like. I mean, look, there's a reason why, um, I mean, there are many reasons why Donald Trump won the election in 2016, but in terms of earned media, meaning how many times was he talked about in the media without him paying for it? I think Hillary Clinton's earned media was like six or seven hundred million. Donald Trump's was like close to three billion dollars, right? So where we put focus mm-hmm. is where we end up being persuaded towards, whether we like it or not. So the benefit of that for you is is making sure that your name is out there, being seen constantly as a valuable member of the medical community, contributing, providing insights and everything, right? And then aside from being mm-hmm. educated, they're going to learn more about who you are what you're interested in, mm-hmm. and somebody's going to say, right. I really like this guy's attitude, I like you know, the way he thinks, etc., we should just interview him. So then when you reach out one day and say, hey, I wanted to talk to you about this job you guys posted, they're going to pick up the phone and talk to you right away. Right, yeah. But, so, it goes back to consistency, yeah. you have to do this every week. Yeah, I know, uh, thank you. Uh, my next question is, uh, your LinkedIn profile says that you are a mentor, so in, in my opinion, like everyone should have a mentor, and uh, how do you find a mentor, or how do you, like, this? I know there should be just one mentor, there can be, like, multiple people that you can take guidance from, you can go to, so how do you find a mentor, what makes the best fit for you, because if he is the one who will guide you through your professional life, who will teach you many things, not just related to just professional, but also like behavioral things. So how do we find a mentor? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, I, I grew up, you know, in medicine, 
And so in, in the medical world, like when you're becoming a doctor, it's very common to have a mentor. You're assigned a mentor. It's very common. In the business world and everywhere mm-hmm. else, it's not as common. And, and I think many of us are waiting for that perfect mentor to come along that's going to mm-hmm. kind of take us under their wings. They're going to teach us everything. You know, we're gonna, you, you act almost like an apprentice under them. Sure, that happens, but it's very rare. And so when it comes to right. mentorship, what I recommend to people is, number one, don't have one mentor. Everyone's a mentor to me. Look, yeah. uh, aside from the people who I reach out to personally, again, this goes back to the system. When I post content and people are used to seeing my name, the days that I reach out to somebody when many of the CEOs and execs on LinkedIn, somebody that I want advice for, I shoot them a message and say, hey, you know, um, we've been connected and do you mind getting on the phone with me? I, I, I would like to kind of get your advice. Something. They'll get on right away because they, they know my name mm-hmm. now. They've, they're used to seeing me. And, it's, and at some point, they've gained value from my content, whether they got informed, entertained, or both. The other thing is that, this is why I advocate reading books, is that, you know, take advantage of, the, of, the great, of your great ancestors from the past, you know? I mean, for example, uh, do you know, have you heard of uh, uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb? Does that sound familiar? Uh, no. He, he, I haven't heard. He is... Um, how can I describe him? He, he comes from the investment world. He writes a lot about markets and risk. Um, and he wrote some great books like Black Swan, Anti-Fragile. And so uh, I follow him on Twitter. And so in a way, he like somebody like that indirectly mentors me because I watch how he thinks and how he responds to certain things in real time, like the pandemic. Right? I, I'm getting direct mm-hmm. mentorship from him. The other thing is that I one thing I posted an Instagram post today from uh, Ramit Sethi, who's uh, brilliant when it comes to money and finance, and it's his rules mm-hmm. for money. One of the rules is that he never puts a limit on how much money he spends on things like that have to do with health and books. So, mm-hmm. for example, I'm going to show this off. I just bought Nicholas Taleb's deluxe edition. These are five of his uh, books. This is his his deluxe version. On Inserto. Alright, these are all his books. And this set was not cheap. This was a $250 set. I got it on sale for $150. But still, that's a lot for, for uh, somebody to spend on books. Now, aside from me getting a lot of value out of these books, I'm going to read them. I'm going to post a review on this. I'm going to post a picture of me actually spending the money on this book on these book set to advocate the concept that if you really believe in somebody's work and you value it, spend the extra money and support the author to get the, the deluxe set. That's that's going to put my name definitely on his mind so he gets used to seeing it. Because he's already in, engaged with, I think, a few of my tweets, you know, and now he'll see that. Not I would love to reach out to him and directly engage, but, like, I don't think that'll, I don't think that'll happen. Maybe, maybe. But that's just a small example of, of something. I mean, one way you can do it yourself is if there's... Uh, a VP, a VP of engineering that you really admire, um, or somebody, and they happen to write an article, it's likely that nobody's commented or engaged on that article. Go engage with them, or look at their background and reach out to them directly and say, "Hey, you know, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be entering the workforce, and you have a really impressive background. I really look up to you, admire you. Do you mind getting on the phone for just five, ten minutes? I, I would love some advice." Right? Mm-hmm. There's a saying here in right. Silicon Valley uh, for all startups, which is when you when you want money, 
ask for advice, and when you when you want advice, ask for money, right? So a lot of times when you reach out for advice, right, and you get you, you slowly start getting mentorship, and in in exchange, what a mentor wants from a mentee is to take action, right? So I gave you some specific actions to take. So the one way you can pay me back is take action on the words that I've I've spoken to you, right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah. at the end of the yeah. day, uh, a mentor gives these uh, lessons out for free because we want to see that person become very successful, right? Mm -hmm. And then in return, yeah. you go and do the same thing for somebody else, right? That's the whole that's the whole point, right. you know? Yeah. So. Give me one second, Thomas. So yes, so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take one more uh, one more question for you, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna hop hop off here. Yeah, I only have just last one question. Do you yeah. have like any tips for speed reading or anything? Do you practice speed reading all the time? Because I know you read books, a lot of books. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a good question. I I've learned how to speed read so. So for one, I'm just gonna let you know I'm dyslexic, right? So it's not like I was born with this gift. I was actually having an impediment. But I have mixed feelings about speed reading because here's the thing: the idea about speed reading is you're gonna get through a book faster. So if you get through a book faster, you have more time. And what are you gonna do with more that time? That extra time you've just created, right? It's likely you're not gonna use it very well. And so I, I'm not a big proponent of speed reading. I am a big proponent of learning the skill of reading. And the skill of reading means that when you read a book, nonfiction of course, you learn how to read the book and get what you need out of it. There's a principle I always talk to people about, it's an economics and st a stats pr principle called uh, Pareto's principle, which means that 20% yeah, of, 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 of what you have, of the whole, 20% is going to give you 80% of the year yield. 80%, so, right. So 20% yeah. of a book, probably even less, is going to give me 80% of what I really need to know. So when I read these books, yes, I, read, I do read them, but more importantly, I'm not afraid to jump around to chapters and go straight to what I need. You know, there's a book that I was reading the other day, it's 10 chapters long, three of them have to do with real estate. I don't do anything with real estate right now. Right? Not okay. it's worthless, meaningless to me. So of course I scan through those chapters very quickly, but I spend more than a few no more than a few minutes on them, right? Get to the things mm -hmm. I need, get what I want, and get out. And of course I that's why I have multiple books that I'm always reading. I also advocate buying physical books because you buy them, you write in them, you highlight, you put them back in the shelf, and a year or two later, when maybe you've grown a little bit, maybe I don't know, maybe in a few years when I'm more in real estate, I go back to that book and I remember, oh yeah. This this is where I was when I first read this book, and now this area that was not you know valuable to me a while back is valuable to me now, right? So, so the one thing I would say is look up on, and I should probably do a video on this as well. If you look up on online uh, Tim Ferriss speed reading, you know, um, okay. that'll teach you. The, the most important thing I can tell you about reading is that you have to use your peripheral vision, meaning. But when you yeah. read, most people when they read, they read word by word. That's how you read very slow and you actually don't have good comprehension. What you have to do is read in chunks. So draw a line straight down the page of the book and start getting used to looking at a, a full sentence one after the other together that way. It'll be hard at first, but you'll eventually start getting the hang of it and then you'll be able to scan, right? Mm -hmm. That's the whole purpose. So, And again, it just like anything else, um, 
it's a skill set. You're not going to get this right away, so you have to do this and practice it every single day. You know? But again, that's why that's why I think Jocko, uh, Jocko Willink, he has this saying, you know, discipline equals freedom. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I also follow him. He's a really great guy. Yeah, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. Yeah. So Also, like, um, I... I can also mention yeah. if anyone knew that there's a book called as How to Eat Faster and Better from Normal Lewis. No, I didn't so know about has, that. So it has different uh, exercises to count your speed, like reading speed. So you, if you, you can always like many people who are watching this uh, live show, so they can also check that book. Uh, it has different exercises, and by end of it, like it actually teaches you how to read faster so i read that when i was preparing for my uh, for exams so but after a while i started reading i stopped reading that much like books or any paragraphs like long paragraphs mm-hmm. then i kind of drifted apart but it actually helped me previously so many people can also read that fantastic fantastic Anurag, thanks for joining. I'm gonna I'm gonna take another caller. I appreciate you jumping on, and I'll, sure, I'll be no in contact. Problem. I'll be watching your your activity on LinkedIn. So get to it. I want to see some posts and some articles. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank awesome, you. Man. Thank you very much. All right, Have buddy. Good night. You too. Bye. 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 Okay, that was great. Great guy. So we have oh we have another request. Who wants to come on live with me? Oh Kamal. All right, let's see if we can add him. Kamal, Kamal, come on. Hopefully the technology and live streaming gods. Hey, there he is. How you doing, buddy? Hey, how are you? (laughs) Good to see you. Good to see you. Go ahead, you can join. Good to see you, too. Seems like my my, uh, video is freezing, is it? No, I can see you. Uh, Just wait for a little bit. It'll probably clear up, but you're you're fine on my end. I can see you and everything. Okay, sorry. Okay, how's it going? <laughs> it's going good. It's going good. Do you, do you have a uh, do you have a question I can answer? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, actually, I uh, I currently um uh, I have a good question. It's a big question. I don't know how you can answer it. It's the question I have is how biomedical engineers with minimum to none experience in pre market medical devices development and design can join the fight against COVID nineteen. Mm. Huh. So the question is, how how can engineers who have uh, very little to no experience uh, with pre-market devices join to help the fight against COVID-19? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm not an engineer, but I, I have some ideas. So one th- one thing I would say is that you don't, you don't have to have experience to try and solve a problem, right? So one thing that I would say is... You know, the thing about being an engineer is that you're a problem solver, right? So try and figure out a way to to to, to solve to solve these problems, and you can get access to a lot of things online. Like for example, Medtronic, Tesla, they they release the um, the instructions and the uh, design design specs for their ventilators. Yeah, BB five sixty. Yeah, one thing that I heard, I supposedly is that there's no visuals in it to help. So, and again, I'm making this up, but if you're an engineer, maybe if you're able to understand it, you can go into CAD, design the visuals and the drawings, and upload them and say, for those who are looking at Medtronic's ventilator, you know, manual, here are all the visuals that you need, 
right? And actually, so this is actually a great idea. You do that and you publish it. I'll make sure to reshare it. You do that, you'll get every single person from Medtronic, Tesla, all over the world to go and look at your at your article. And it's not a very mm-hmm. hard thing to do. Even you can go th- go and look at how they designed it and you can develop, let's say, the flow charts for it. So something simple like that, which they would take a, an assignment like that and hand it to an engineer who has very little to no experience, say, hey, create the CAD drawings or create the visuals for this. So maybe you can do that. That might be one way. Um, the other way is I know that there is a young engineer somewhere in MIT or something who went and kind of came up with their own at-home ventilator. That's one mm-hmm. thing. Maybe, look, as an engineer, you understand um, fluid and aerodynamics. So maybe yeah. you're able to do an article and teach the, the average person to say, hey, if you're going to make your own masks, here are the materials that you should use and, and here's how to make it. Like one one idea I, I, I thought of is that for those who make at-home masks, right? The idea is like, what if you breathe something in? Well, here's a good test. I, and again, I'm, this, this is not FDA cleared, but I think this is a good test to see whether you have a good mask. You make your mask, you put it on your mouth, you pull a candle or a, a match out and you light the match uh, uh, on. If you're able to, if you can't blow the, the match out by blowing through your mask, the mask is good. No, nothing's going to be coming in, right? Yeah. So those are some easy ways like where I think as an engineer, you can immediately demonstrate your value to the market, um, show some very creative, you know, cre- be, you know creative and in, 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 ingenious ways to solve for things. And most importantly is that even if it's not perfect, that's not the point. The point is, is it's the attempt, right? I mean, look, when this COVID, when COVID-19 started, you know what everybody became a fucking expert in? Everyone became an expert in making these prediction models which prediction models are not they're never they're never accurate because if they were whoever is coming up with these prediction models would be a multi-trillionaire right but everybody became a a a prediction model expert because they can do math you know so so that's what i would say is that it's it's not because of a lack of opportunity it's mainly because of a lack of discipline to sit down and really force yourself to say how, how, what can I do to help? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and don't get hung up on what the VP of engineering at blah, blah, blah company would think. Think about how you help the average person, right? Even something that, that you and another engineer know, which is just common knowledge, somebody like me would not. So if you write an article, you do a little video on it, right? That's, that's how you become, you become more known and you have to do more and more of these things. So uh, you know, come on, I'll tell you, you do, you do some articles like that. You just shoot it, message it to me. I'll go and reshare it and put it to my networks. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. Before I, before the idea is awesome. Actually, I have some shame reaching out to you because you've given me some actionable advices. And I remember the, like what you said, and I always feel like I lack the shipment to apply what you gave me, but they are thorough. Still, they are a pro, and they are always in my mind. Um, so I'm you should now never don't to... have shame with me, man. It's look. I know I tell people take action on my words, but at the same time, like, look, I'm not going to make you feel bad about it. You know, the point is the most important thing is that you recognize it. You recognize that that you haven't been disciplined about it. That's okay, right? Today, yeah. to, let's say today was a bad day. That's fine. Tomorrow's a new day. You know, I look. I have yeah. I have I have lack of discipline all the time. You know, it happens. Mm. I appreciate that. Well, yeah, I've been, because of, I've been laid off 
my job last uh, few weeks because uh, here in Canada it's not essential business. So I'm trying to find ideas, and what you gave me is very uh, great ideas. I'm going to share it with, also with my network of uh, engineers that I have here around me because we are looking into some things that we can do. People like me with minimum, as I said, to, uh, to non-experience in pre-market development and because of most of my experience is in sales of medical devices and service. And uh, so uh, that's a challenge not only to me, but several engineers that have been talking to, to, to around me and designing a CAD or flowchart and writing an article here. That, that's awesome, Omar. Thank you I, so much. I would do that. And look, Kamal, the other thing which is very easy to do you know, publish an article on LinkedIn and show, you know, like something like how to engineer the best at home mask, you know, like an engineer's perspective. Just do some research on materials and, you know, like, look, two pieces of T-shirt with a with a paper towel in between is pretty good. Just take some photos, put that up, explain why that would work well. Like, you know, and the something like that would not look you can you can you can take a take one photo of three pieces of material do a post, not even an article, a post on LinkedIn with a few lines to say like how I engineered the best at-home mask and just, you know, list it out. This this content that I just mentioned, it probably even exists already. So go read what other engineers wrote. Take some ideas from here and there, put them together and make something of your own and publish it. Don't wait. Don't yeah. wait to talk to other people and have, you know, you can do that, but take action yourself and put something out there. You know, that's the one thing I would tell you. And and in terms of shame, you know, shame is the big project killer for many people. And the way you get over shame is you start to do these things in, in, in action. You know, the, the more you take action, the less scary it becomes, right? Because you're always going to be afraid. When I, when I post my posts, when I do a video, I'm always afraid. When I do these Instagram, I, I get very nervous. That's not going to change, but what does change over time is you become more and more brave, right? And but with that, you also start to give less of a shit, which is also a very important skill set. You know? Yeah, do come on, do the post, and even if it's a complete failure, it's terrible. You're gonna wake up the next day and you're like, "Oh, I'm okay. My coffee still tastes the same. I'm okay. Everything's fine. Nothing changed." You know. So that's yeah. one thing I would encourage you to do. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. And um, that's my only question, Omar. Awesome. Great to see you again. Thanks, Kamal. I appreciate it. We'll keep up the good work, okay? Yeah, you too. Thanks. All right, buddy. See ya. See ya. Bye. Bye. Okay, so we're at 6 o'clock. I might take one more person. Anybody else wants to come on live? Anybody else? Going once. Oh, and we, we do have a question from Pomone. She asked what questions or what books am I reading? So um, so the books that I'm reading, um, I'm actually publishing a book, uh, not a book review, an article tomorrow uh, at, to explain how to really take a look at the current crisis. I'm combining some lessons from Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl and the Gulag Archipelago uh, by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Great books. I'm also reading, uh, let me grab them real quick. Uh, a classic, classic book, which uh, I really get a lot of inspiration from, uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. 
and of course the next 100 years so those are the books i recommend so anyways thank you all for joining and uh yes as always i will see you next time Hey everyone, so this is an episode of Mentor Live. I decided to start mentoring people live on Instagram, uh, mainly because I was getting a lot of requests uh, about career development, self-development, how do I read more books, what books should I be reading, how do I get into medical devices, a variety of topics. And as much as I love doing those, um, there's only so much time in the day. I usually take those calls you know, on my drive to and from work, but I decided to do it this way just because it's uh, scalable, I can amplify it, and more importantly, uh, a lot of people have very similar stories and hopefully it could uh, serve to help others. So you can follow me on Instagram at Omar M. Khatib, Khatib spelled K-H-A-T-E-E-B. I'll leave a link to my Instagram uh, and other channels uh, in the show notes. So enjoy this episode of my mentoring session.